Welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're excited to jump into another passage from the Gospel of Mark, and this one is a really big one. But before Eric introduces the passage to us, I just want to quickly address all of our new listeners, those that are just jumping in for the first time today. Welcome. We're glad that you joined our conversation. In this podcast, we're using the Bible Savvy Reading Plan and the Comma Method to help us understand and apply the Bible to our lives. If you're not familiar with those things, you can go listen to episode one, where we explain all of it in the first seven minutes of the episode. All right, so let's get into it. Eric, what passage are we talking about this week? Well, before we talk about the passage, I have a question for you, Nikki, and you, Clayton. What is currently at the top of your Spotify playlist? I'm going to let Clayton answer first. All right. Well, this this was actually a, a recommendation from one of our worship pastors, uh, Petey Crowley. He uh, he heard an album he thought I'd like, and he was right. It's uh, it's by Andy Squires, and I'm gonna I, I can't remember the name of the album, but it's really thoughtful, uh, kind of mellow folk music, but lyrically is just beautiful, brilliant stuff. So uh, I've been listening to that on repeat. Folk music. Man, I didn't expect that coming. What you got, Nikki? Uh, currently playing um, on a little playlist that they've created for me, Penny and Sparrow. So they are some, it's kind of like folk music as well, but also Paramore. So that's like punk, pop, rock. It's back in the day. Yeah, true, true confession. I also have Weezer's Blue album uh-huh. recently played, so that's kind of always in rotation. Yep. But that's because wow. of my birthday. Paramore you guys are, you guys are surprising me. Yeah. What about you? Two people that said folk music. Wow. Two out of three. Uh, let's go with some Snarky Puppy. Have you ever heard of Snarky Puppy? I you have heard need of them. to listen to some Snarky Puppy. It is amazing. But he's pulling out his phone right and, now. I got to remember and, this. And I will get you interested in Snarky Puppy by telling you there is a vocalist in that group that can actually sing two-part harmonies simultaneously uh-uh. by herself. There you go. Wait now, a minute. I think someone shared a video about that, now, and it blew my mind. Yeah, now you can all listen to some Snarky Puppy. I receive no commissions for anybody downloading or paying to listen to Snarky Puppy. I just love their music. All right. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8 is where we are today. Uh, in the Bible Savvy reading plan. So just a reminder, Bible Savvy got its origin as a four-part book series by our senior pastor, Jim Nicodem. He wrote Bible Savvy because he loves to help people develop their prayer lives and to help people develop their Bible reading lives. And so this podcast actually comes out of those books originally, which then became the Bible Savvy reading schedule, which now has become the Bible Savvy podcast. And we are using the comma method to read, understand, and apply the Bible. So the first C in the comma method is context. So here's a very basic reminder today. Since our passage is nice and short, uh, we can take some time to talk a little bit about the comma method more. Uh, when you're reading the Bible and you're looking for context, everything finds its meaning in context. So you want to look for back, good background information that helps you understand what you're reading, what's going on, who are these people, what's the culture, like all of that. So just a reminder, whenever you're starting to read a new book of the Bible, um, don't start with chapter one, verse one. Most people, that's where they start, right? Where you really want to start is with the introduction in a good study Bible, which will give you all kinds of good context and background information before you ever start reading chapter one, verse one. 
And then in a good study Bible, there's also on the bottom half of every page, all the study notes, which with more context, inf- context information. So uh, just a tip there on context. And then there's also what I'll call the literary context. In other words, the Bible is one cohesive unit. It's essentially a story going from beginning to end. And so to just remind yourself where you are in the story situates the passage that you're reading that day. So we're in Mark chapter 16, which is the end of the gospel of Mark. And so if you have been reading along in Mark with us with the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, one of the things you've noticed is how fast moving the gospel of Mark is. And he keeps saying, like, then it, then immediately it happened. Immediately they did this. Immediately they did that. And the whole story seems like it has this trajectory to it. It's moving very fast. And as you're reading Mark, you also realize that this whole story is moving towards the cross. Jesus starts to tell them that, right? So this whole thing moves like a freight train towards the cross. And then you get the culmination of the story in Mark chapter 16, which is what we're reading today. Uh, So here we go. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. Clayton is going to read that for us. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus's body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Short passage, lots packed in there. And we actually picked this passage this week to discuss because what we, we want to be as helpful as possible in this podcast And sometimes when you're doing the comma method and you're reading the Bible Savvy Plan, it's a short portion of scripture, and you might struggle with actually doing the comma method on a short passage. Uh, And so we figured, hey, well, let's just pick the shortest passage in this week's reading and, and go for it. So we've already talked about context. We move on to observations, which is any questions, anything that's jumping out to you, anything that's repeated. Uh, So you're looking for observations. Nikki, let's start with you. My first observation is the fact that three women were the first to discover that Jesus had risen from the dead. So, girls rule, boys drool. That simple. But they were also bringing spices, which means they were going somewhere to prepare a meal for the men. So you think. You can't hear me shaking my head. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to get it in the middle oh, of no, this. Oh, no, you didn't. Okay, listen, everybody. <laughs> listen out there. Nikki is not a feminist. <laughs> And I am not a chauvinist. We are just joking around, so everybody take a deep breath. It is true that this gospel very intentionally tells us that it's women that went to the tomb. And this isn't the only place in the gospels where the gospels go out of their way to tell us that women were very significantly involved in the ministry of Jesus and in the early church. So uh, in in terms of... Uh, or for the sake of not just dismissing it as a trivial fact, um, like, well, they just happened to be the people that went. I think this is, uh, this is pretty intentional stuff here in terms of 
letting us know that women are a significant part of the Jesus mission and the kingdom of God. Yeah, especially if you were in that culture, it would have been even more startling to, to see that. It's, it's pretty critical. I, I think that people have also made uh, a big deal out of that because when you're talking about whether or not the account is reliable, uh, if you were making this story up in the ancient world and you wanted to give the most credible witnesses you could, you probably would have picked a, a prominent male person to be the witness, say, oh, we really trust his word. And so to present it as, actually, these three women discovered that the tomb was empty uh, is the sort of detail that only would have been included because it was true, uh, because they wouldn't have uh, portrayed it that way. What do you got, Clayton? What were your observations? Well, I, I kept, uh, I noticed kind of the emotional tone of some of this. So they, 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 they're a little apprehensive as they come in, like, okay, how are we going to get in? How are we going to roll away the stone? Then they, they see the angel and they're alarmed. Uh, and then even after they've kind of heard this, what I would think would be very good news, they walk away trembling and bewildered. So it's, uh, you know, I've been to a lot of Easter services and those are, those are pretty joyful and happy, uh, but these were different emotions, you know, a little bit of fear, a little bit of confusion, a, a, a trembling, that sort of thing. Yeah, my one observation actually is not directly related to the resurrection, which, you know, sounds unspiritual and, and terrible because this is the resurrection <laughs> account. Uh, all throughout the Bible, anytime a human being has an interaction with an angel, what is their reaction? They are freaked out, right? So there it is again. There is a, there is a, so when people say like, I want to see an angel, I'm not quite so sure you do. Or they're like, oh, you know, when I see God, I'm going to have a few questions. I don't think you are. I think that you might be on your face. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I thought was interesting though, I do want to go back to the whole spices thing, right? Because I think a lot of us, well, I guess me maybe. When I think of like spices, I'm wondering like, what what were they doing with those things? You know what I mean? Like when I think of a spice, I think of like spice rack in my kitchen. Yeah, obviously that's and oregano. Yeah, obviously that's not what was happening here. So I, I dug into it a little bit. So it turns out right that Jews didn't embalm people. Uh, instead, they would stick them in this tomb and they would put spices on them in order to cover up the smell of a decaying body. So gross, right? But interesting nonetheless. What I find even more interesting is the fact, though, that these women, even though Jesus told them that he was going to raise from the dead, uh, they, maybe they didn't believe him or they, were just, they didn't think that that was possible, right? It defies logic. So they were bringing spices, expecting for his dead body to still be in the tomb, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a great point because it, it shows they were convinced he was really dead. Yeah. They saw him die and they figured, well, he's going to be rotting. That's, that's what would be happening right now because they knew he died. Clayton, what's the go-to spice in your kitchen? Uh, I use a lot of crushed red pepper. Uh, and then I have, a, I have an extra spice that's called uh, Vulcan fire salt. It's basically salt with really uh, hot chilies in it. And so I just add that to everything because if my family doesn't want it spicy, but I do, which I always do, uh, that's what I do. What was that called again? Vulcan fire salt. It just sounds cool. Oh, it's it awesome. Does. What's really your go-to spice, Nikki? It's three combinations, salt, black pepper, and garlic powder. That's... On everything? On everything. Yep. You? Garlic would be my first answer. My second answer is we have a jar of everything bagel spice mixture. <laughs> I've never tried that. And man... On anything, not just on to top your bagels. Like that what is... Do you an, put it, what do you put it on? Anything. Make some chicken. Put it on the chicken. 
You got to try. Make some steak. Put it on the steak. Make some eggs. Put it on your eggs. Anything. This conversation has gone terribly wrong, okay, hasn't it? Okay, I'll bring it. I'll bring it back. Let's I'll bring, bring it, it back. back. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. Um, so I, I also just want to say a comment too about the whole trembling and bewildered thing, yeah. right? When I read the word bewildered, I quickly thought to myself, like, okay, I, I know that's like, it's like an old school word, right? We don't often use that word in common language. So I thought, let me look up, let me pull out the thesaurus, let me get some synonyms. And I'm like, okay, baffled, puzzled, confused, dumbfounded, disoriented. I think if you combine all of those emotions that those words are associated with, I think we get bewildered. These, these people were like, what just happened? Yeah, it, it's so weird that it's become almost, not, not passe, but like, a, like, oh yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. Like, if you're a believer, it's sort of like, yeah, we talk about it all the time. If you're not, well, of course, that's what Christians say. And the shock of it, the confusing, like, this can't possibly be happening sort of reality, we don't feel bewildered. We either write it off or we just sort of, you know, have heard it too many times. Is there anything else in history that you guys can think of where people before it happened would say, there's no way that would ever happen, but now we all look back on it and go, of course it happened. I can't off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of people prior to Jesus' crucifixion. Yeah. I, I mean, other uh, than like, well, hey, we, we've got cell phones in our pockets or, or airplanes, but like no moment where it's like that changed everything that couldn't happen. And then it did. Maybe the Cubs yeah. winning the World Series. Sports. Maybe that's one. I'm a Yankees fan. So I like to, you know, throw a few shots at the Cubs fans. 27 World Championships for the Yankees. We forgive you. It's not about forgiveness. All right. <laughs> Context, observations, meditation. All right, so just a reminder for everybody, in the comma method, meditation is prayerful thinking. So we want to read the Bible, then we want to take a few moments, think about some of our observations from the text, prayerfully think about them. So we're inviting the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and asking the Lord, what is it that you want me to take away from this text? So every podcast, we do this for 45 seconds, so you have 45 seconds and... Here is where I'd like you to focus your thinking and praying today for these 45 seconds. It's in verse 6, where it says, He has risen. He is not here. Jesus cannot be found in a tomb. 45 seconds of prayerful thinking. Okay, the next M in the comma method is message. Now, let's, uh, let's talk about the Bible savvy, savvy journals here for a second, uh, because if somebody has purchased 
a physical Bible-savvy journal, and they're listening to our podcast, they have, I'm sure, already noticed, hey, the M's are switched. So on the back panel of the Bible-savvy journal, it says, comma, but it says context, observation, then it says message, then it says meditation, then it says application, right? Or do I have that reversed? Oh, no, that's, that's right. That's, that's right. Okay. So we've had conversations about this, like where, where is the right spot for the M's? Meditation. So do you do, do you make sure you understand the context and then do observations and then pray and think about your observations? Or do you do message first and say, I've made some observations. Now, what is what I think is the main message of this text or what I should get out of it? And then pray about that. All right, so for all of you rule followers and box checkers out there that want to make sure you're doing it exactly right, just a reminder, the comma method is just meant to be a helpful tool. It's not shackles. Uh, There is, uh, if you're wondering, like, did I read my Bible wrong today? (laughs) No, you didn't. Um, Quite honestly, you could do it in either order. Uh, You could do observations and then message and then think and pray about it, or you could think and pray about your observations, and then try to write down a one-sentence message. Here, here is the, the why or the heart behind why meditation was added. Because if you remember from an earlier episode, we talked about the fact that the method used to be the coma method. There was only one M, and it's a very unfortunate acronym. Uh, and a teenager was the one that actually said, hey, I think if you're going to go from text to application a nice pause in there to think and pray would be a good idea. And so she suggested, was it, it was a female, yeah, right? right? It was, a, it was a, a female teenager. And she suggested that we add meditation to it to one, add a very valuable step in the process. And second, it rescued the acronym <laughs> because comma makes sense. A comma is a pause. So here is the, here is the why that you need to remember and not get so fixated on, am I doing this right? Am I doing it in the right order? You want to meditate. You want to take some time to prayerfully think because you want to invite the Lord to speak to you, right? And you just want to think about it for a few moments. And the message part of dialing in and saying, I'm going to write this down in one sentence. I think Pastor Jim says, write it like almost like it's an advertisement or a slogan. Uh, because when you can write it in one sentence you've got it, you know? So uh, hopefully that helps you guys out there. If you're using the comma method, uh, don't get so fixated on the steps, uh, like the the actual order necessarily, but you do want to go through all the steps. Have you guys noticed that the more you use the comma method, that they all start to conflate? Like they all almost feel like one step. What has been your experience with that? I feel like even in our conversations, we've noticed... uh, we, we very quickly, when we make an observation, uh, if, you, if you're paying attention, you're like, oh, they, they kind of sometimes communicate a message and sometimes they talk about how it applies to their life just because it sort of just jumps out. And when you've been doing that a long time, um, that, that muscle memory kind of kicks in. And that's, that's really good. That's sort of the point is you practice it explicitly. And then when you're not even trying, you're, you're actually getting to your life. You're actually saying, how does this impact me? Which is the end goal of the whole thing. Yeah, you just start kind of doing it all all in, in, at one one point, it's all it all kind of blends together, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, so. I I find it really helpful in uh, like in a community group conversation because the the different steps help me 
pay attention to what's happening. Some, t- some groups will have a conversation about the Bible where they will say, they'll get all caught up in the ideas and the things, and, they, and they'll never move on to that A. They'll never ask the question, how does it apply? And then there are some people who, no matter what the Bible, is, the, act, the text actually says, just say something about their life right then and there. And to make sure you get both balanced, that you're observing, you're formulating what it means, you're praying about it, and you're really getting to, what am I going to do? Um, some of you are probably bent one way or the other. Some groups are bent one way or the other. It gets the whole, whole picture that way. Yeah, so if you're using the Bible Savvy Journal and you're writing down some observations after reading the text, and then you start looking at your observations and you're thinking to yourself, am I doing this wrong? Is my observation actually the message? A few thoughts. One, you're going to be all right. Two, it's quite possible that the observation you wrote down, you then write again later on if you're writing down the message. It all becomes one thing. So hopefully that helps some of you. Uh, if you're if you're feeling like I don't know if I'm doing the comma method right, you are. You're doing just fine. And if you listen to this podcast, you know you know you're you're more interested in understanding your Bible than the average bear. Uh, and I think that makes the Lord smile. So just keep on keeping on. You're doing great. All right. So we are at uh, message. We've done yeah. meditation. We're at message. So if you were to, let, let's take the advice from the Bible Savvy Book series and try to write it as one sentence or a slogan. What would be your one sentence? Jesus has risen. He defeated death in the grave. Uh, it's really hard to not get basically that message, but I would say he really is alive. Like Jesus really is alive. Yeah, that's good. Mine is exactly that. He has risen. And once again, if you're, if you're at home using the comma method, you might feel like, well, I just wrote down something really basic. So does that count or do I need to come up with something super insightful and complex? And- oh, the, the most profound truth in the universe. <laughs> you know, it feels so basic. It's like, no, that's, that's amazing. D- dwell on that for a while. That should change your life somehow. Yeah, so if, if you're reading Mark 16 and what you write down is not he has risen, we're going to physically come to your front door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eric may, doesn't know where you live. May, Don't worry. Maybe everybody. you actually can do the comma method wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jesus is not in the grave. He defeated death. So application. So what? Average person living in 2020. You know, I... It's, it's interesting that uh, the example in the passage is these women being uh, afraid at first. Um, but my guess is that over the course of their life, that reaction changed. That as they, as they, they came to let it sink in. Um, so my application is uh, stop being so stinking afraid. You know, like there, there are situations where I uh, think, how's this going to turn out? Or uh, is, is God really powerful enough for that? Or is he with me? Or any of those kind of things that make you say, oh, I'm apprehensive about this. When the reality is death has been defeated. Jesus is alive. Uh, the new creation has arrived. Every, everything has changed because of that. I don't need to be so afraid. I don't need to be uh, anxious about those things, alarmed and bewildered and trembling. Nikki? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think... Sure, it it defies logic and in, in, in a lot of senses, but it's it makes perfect sense when we understand and we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that his whole purpose was to live and to die and to be raised again for the forgiveness of our sins and to give us eternal life. That is a powerful truth. And so my application is 
I need to tell as many people about that as I can. That's really good news. My application is somewhat in light of the fact that I have recently done uh, officiated several funerals, and uh, one for my father-in-law. And so you you ask the question, you know, people get very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, people try to, at funerals, convince themselves that the deceased person is experiencing eternal life. And so there's almost in some ways a an exercise going on, like this weird mental exercise of we're not really sure, but we're going to try to convince ourselves right now that either that person was good enough to make it to heaven, which was never the criteria in the first place. By the way, it's not good people that go to heaven. It's forgiven people that go to heaven. Uh, But the second thing is we talk about it trying to convince ourselves. And when 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 I read Mark chapter 16, in light of the fact that I've just done some funerals, it makes me ask the question, what really are the implications of Jesus coming back? To life. Like when, when Christians say like he defeated, like you sing in songs, he defeated death in the grave. Okay. What does that mean? What, why does that matter? Uh, and when I am on my deathbed, when I know, uh, hopefully I'll know, I don't, I don't know. This would be a morbid conversation, <laughs> but which way do you want to go? That's right. True, yeah. I know part of me wants to go real fast. Like I don't want to know, but if I knew that my, my last days were coming, would I go back to Mark 16? Like, would I be so convinced that eternal life has been granted to me because of what Jesus did and because I'm forgiven that, that I wouldn't be afraid of dying? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's both, it, two sides. Can you grieve with confidence and can you die with confidence? You know, that's a, that's a, that's a big thing. Yeah, that is, that's some powerful stuff. As we wrap things up today, we really hope that you've been enjoying these conversations and that you're growing in your understanding and your enjoyment and application of the Bible. Uh, You may not know it, but we actually have a kid's version of the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. It's called EPIC uh, because our goal is to make the Bible accessible to everyone, no matter how old they are. So for all of you parents that are listening out there, if you don't know what EPIC is and you want to learn more, uh, you can go to ccclife.org slash epic to find out. And to top it all off, we're inviting a special guest next week, our good friend Dave Gwynn, who just so happens to be one of our kids' pastors who runs our epic ministry. He'll be joining us as we jump all the way back to the beginning of the Bible to the book of Genesis. And so we hope you'll join us next Monday. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, go to biblesavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.